May I speak in the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I'd like to start this sermon by considering two saints in the Church of God who have been celebrated in recent days. Anyone guess who one of them might be? George. No, not George. <laughs> I knew someone was going to say George, with it being, well, it's not St George's Day, that sort of moved because the Sunday beats the Saints' Day generally. Not St George, even though it's St George's Day today. The two saints are St Bino and St Anselm. I got a bit confused with the calendar this year, this week, because on Thursday I noticed the Roman Catholic lectionary kept the feast of St Bino. And so I thought there must be St Bino's Day in the Church in Wales calendar. I looked in the Church in Wales calendar and saw, oh yeah, Bino this week, so that must be it. No, Wales kept St Bino on Friday instead. So I messed up on the right Saints' Day on Thursday at the Eucharist here. Because on Friday in the um, Roman lectionary was the feast of St Anselm, former Archbishop of Canterbury. And so Bino was sort of shunted across the day. But two saints in, two, in quick succession and not St George. St Anselm, Archbishop of Canterbury. At that time, that included all of Wales within that province, so it seems quite apt to think about him. He was a Benedictine monk. He was a philosopher, a theologian. Of course, being a monk, he was a monastic. He had those vows of poverty, obedience, and conversion of life, which would have included chastity for him. Those quite strong idea of how to live his life as a follower of Jesus. Also, as Archbishop of Canterbury, there's a whole sort of fighting against what's going on in the state and what the state says the church should be doing against what actually Jesus says the church should be doing. And how that's a struggle for us even to this day when there's competing demands of what the world says and what the church says and quite how do we navigate that. And then St Bino, oh, in North Wales, you'll know more about him than I do, I'm sure. I first heard about him with, with St Bino's retreat place in North Wales that everyone seemed to be going to. I've never been. Anyone heard of it? No? It's a Roman Catholic, Roman Catholic Jesuit retreat centre. And as Jesuits, they're following bits to do with St Ignatius of Antioch, who developed some spiritual exercises. It developed the idea of Lectio Divina, literally when you're studying the scriptures, you're sort of reading it over and over again and honing in on particular words which God is speaking to you through this passage. But the spiritual exercise is something of a retreat, a 30-day silent retreat. Anyone fancy doing that? I don't think I could cope. Not speaking for 30 days. And why are you doing that? Just because you're fed up with people talking to you? No. So you could be focusing instead on what God is saying. Listening for God. Looking for God. Searching for God. Hearing the voice of God which gets squeezed out with everything else going on 
Most of us can't do a 30-day silent retreat. I definitely can't. But when I was training for ordination, we had what they called retreat in daily life. It was an attempt to do something of the Ignatian retreat, but a little bit each week, or a little, a little session with someone each week, and then sort of try and live things out. How have you got on each week? I've not had time to look at any of it, I think was normally my response. I was too busy to think about what I was meant to be doing on examining my life at times. And that so often seems to be the case, doesn't it? There's so much else going on that we are distracted, we're pulled away from prayer, from Bible study, from acts of mercy. We're just too busy with everything else. Too busy to stop, look, listen at what God is up to in the world around us. We like to think we can. We like to think we do, but sometimes it can be a bit of a struggle. Or is it just me that gets preoccupied with everything else? So I try to work out how to be ministry area leader and train a curate and look after the churches and work out how we're ever going to get heating working in the church and everything else and what we've got to do for the vestry meetings, etc. Oh yeah, prayer. That's it. And where's God in all this? And what's Jesus calling us to do? And what's God calling me next? I've got time. Am I too preoccupied? Is there too much else going on? Literally, it feels sometimes like I can't see the wood for the trees. It's there. It's definitely there. God is there. Do I notice? I'm not sure. Why am I talking about all this and these saints today with our readings? Why indeed? Because in that gospel reading, we've got the disciples walking along the road, preoccupied with their grief, preoccupied with the new disturbing news they'd heard from the women that Jesus was apparently risen, but, well, no one else had seen him, but well, his body had gone somewhere. What's going on? And everyone's talking about it. So preoccupied were they that along comes Jesus, who they've spent this last three years with, who they know so well, and he starts talking to them, and they can't see the wood for the trees. They can't see Jesus for thinking about Jesus. He's right there next to them, talking to them. And they don't see him. They're too busy. They're too caught up in everything else. It's reassuring, really, isn't it? That even the disciples are so distracted that they can't notice Jesus right there with them. Because so often, in the busyness of our daily lives, it is so hard to see where Jesus is, to spot at the time what God is doing in our lives. Sometimes we look back afterwards, oh yeah, I can see now there was a theme and I can see what God was doing, but at the time, no. It seems hopeless and confusing and busy and, well, what's going on? I've got no idea whatsoever. They're walking. 
they're journeying. Jesus literally, physically is with them. And it takes them a while to notice. And then we hear they recognise him in the breaking of the bread, in the most holy sacrament, which we will be sharing in today. Even when we receive communion, do we think about what this awesome thing is, receiving Jesus, or are we doing it by rote, by habit, just because, well, that's what what we always do. When Jesus says, this is my body, this is my blood, do we think about the implications of that, taking Jesus within ourselves? Where are we? each of us individually and collectively as a congregation on our walk with Jesus. And as it's a walk, it means it's dynamic. It moves. It's a journey. It's not always the same. We are walking with Jesus and hopefully coming closer towards what comes on, allowing Jesus to be shown where we've just been not able to see. Where are we in seeing Jesus walking with us? Or is there so much else going on that we can't see, that we can't recognise yet? And then in the Acts reading, we heard, of course, it's an account of the early church. People were hearing about Jesus. People were recognising who he was. And there were those calls, repent, Be baptised, turn to Jesus, turn your life around. When we recognise that Jesus is there with us, that we're not alone. When we recognise that actually the resurrection is real, even the disciples, you notice, they'd had the account of the women saying, look, we've seen Jesus. We'd had the account of the other disciples saying, We didn't see Jesus, but the tomb's definitely empty. And still, they've been with Jesus three years, and they haven't quite yet come to realise the significance that this is true. Jesus truly was risen from the dead and was standing there right next to him. It's like one of the cartoons that pops up on Facebook around this time. The disciples, we realise it before, and then it gets all busy and mess of the mess of life and things and we're not so sure we struggle with it a bit and then we're reminded again we encounter Jesus again and then we drift a bit then we encounter him again it sort of yo-yos a bit sometimes where are we on that journey and as we come through this Easter season as we come through this season being reminded of the resurrection hearing the different accounts of the resurrection the different accounts of people suddenly recognising again that Jesus is there and this is real. May we take this on board. May we just step back from all the busyness, all the mess, all the rubbish sometimes and the successes, I guess, of our daily life. As we step back, may we just be a bit more aware of what God's doing. May we be just that bit more aware of where Jesus is in our life.
may we be just that bit more aware that lives individually. And as our lives are changed by walking with Jesus, by recognising Jesus, by recognising that we are walking with Jesus and he is walking with us, as we recognise him, as we receive him in the breaking of the bread, may we proclaim to those around us, Alleluia, Christ is risen. That's the most half-hearted response I've heard for a long time. And if we're going to proclaim it like that, people ain't going to take a blind bit of notice, are they? Or maybe they are, and if they're not interested. If they're not interested, why should we be? May we proclaim, Alleluia, Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed.